Welcome back to another episode of the Dauntless Dreaming Podcast. We're your hosts, Aniket and Ankush, and today we're joined by Ritu Dutta, the founder and CEO of the Neuroscience Foundation. In addition to being an entrepreneur in the making, Ritu is almost done with their first year as a student at UNC Chapel Hill, and we're excited to hear more about our experiences as both the freshman and the founder of our own organization. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Ritu. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm so excited for all that we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great to have you. Um, for our audience out there, Ritu's a very unique guest in that we didn't know her formally before this podcast, and we're going to get to learn learn more about her, you know, through the course of this episode. Uh, so, so Ritu, what have you been doing, you know, over the past year, you know, with the pandemic and all that? Have you been picking up on any new things, new skills, new hobbies? Um, I think like the biggest like breakthrough for me was finding out that I'm not, um, completely an extrovert. Um, mm -hmm. I, I found out that there's a term to describe me called ambivert and that's what I am. Um, I definitely did enjoy like the inside time and the away time from people, but I also like missed the social life and things like that. But, um, I found out that I'm an ambivert, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, but besides that, I think just this pandemic has uh, uprooted a lot of things for not just me, but everybody. And um, I think it's just like giving time to things that are most important and kind of planning things through that got me through this whole time. And also just my supportive family and friends. Um, but I think just like coming to UNC, being on campus this semester was probably the best decision I've made. Um, even though we have all these COVID restrictions in place, I think just like the Carolina Together testing program and just all the compliance among the students, that really helps with like preserving like the little sanity that we can have during this crazy time. But um, I've loved my time at UNC, whether it was remote last semester or in person this semester, but it was just great. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up uh, ambivert. I think, I, I didn't know this term before you mentioned it, but I think I've learned that I'm a little bit of an ambivert too. Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, ambivert, yeah. Yeah, so, so wait, uh, can you explain to the audience, is that like a mix of introverted and extroverted? Like you can be introverted and extroverted? Right, yeah, you don't have to be like polar extrovert, super social. You don't also have to be super shut off and, um, you know, respecting your privacy way more than, um, you know, public interactions. Yeah. You know, I always hated that word because like, I, I feel like I'm also more of an ambivert myself, right? Like for me, um, you know, I, I try to keep my circle small, but like when I start trusting people, that's when I start being an open book, right? So yeah. it's it's kind of funny how, how it kind of works, but I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about labeling people as like introvert or extroverts because like, I think sometimes people are just shy, <laughs> in mm -hmm. general you know like that doesn't mean that they're just introverted it just means that they're just shy right now so for some people it just take some time to open up and i don't know yeah i mean yeah. I, I don't know how 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 your brain works in that sense maybe you can explain that in a better way yeah and to add to that right to, to add to that like so before this past year like with the pandemic and everything i thought i was introverted right like i wouldn't go out and socialize as much um, maybe it's because of the friend circle I kept, but then over the course of this pandemic, it's like, I was so tired of being stuck at home. And I was like, you know what? I, I could care less. I'm just going to go out and start talking to people, start this podcast. I don't care what anybody else says. We're just going to 
you know, explore this. And what I've learned through it is that I actually enjoy learning about other people's hobbies and just meeting new people. Um, I think being an introvert kind of leads into being an extrovert because being an introvert helps you kind of be more attentive, uh, be more like engaged in conversation because, you know, for me, whenever we're talking or having a conversation, uh, I'm, I'm very easy to talk to, right? Like uh, I pick up on a lot of details. Um, you know, I'm very supportive and I'm an active listener basically. So I think like introvert and extrovert is definitely polarizing. I think more people are in the middle than they are on the polar opposites of it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think most people are ambiverts and they just don't realize that. Honestly, I feel like most people don't know that ambivert is a thing because um, I didn't until like, a couple weeks ago when I found out that ambivert was a thing. I'm like, oh, that's that describes me more than extrovert, which I kind of always thought like was the better of the two. And, you know, yeah. um, but putting things into perspective, most things are most people are definitely ambiverts, um, not specifically like an introvert or extrovert. Mm -hmm. But then uh, going back to what you said about moving back to campus, I definitely felt that when I was back home, I was so unproductive. <laughs> Uh, you know, as an Indian kid myself, my mom was feeding me way too much. <laughs> I was laying down a lot, <laughs> wasn't very active. But as soon as I came back to campus, you know, everybody's motivated, um, you know, just seeing students exercising outdoors, walking, got me kind of in the mood. And I think this semester has been like three to five times more productive than the last one. Yeah, definitely agree. I'm, I'm in generally, like generally, I'm a people person. So I kind of enjoy being around different people having all kinds of discussions, debates and whatnot. Uh, so like being on campus and meeting all of these new people, just my gosh, it's been such an entertaining experience. Um, there hasn't been a day that went by where I regretted meeting somebody or didn't think about somebody after I met them. And they're just, mm -hmm. they're just really cool people on campus. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of, I think, you know, people talk, I know some people would say, you know, UNC campus is diverse and some people will actually say otherwise that it's not diverse enough. I, I mean, I just, you know, see it as I'm going to make the best of it. And honestly, I think the fact that you can meet people from all different spectrum and then just have a good talk and have a good time with them and, you know, learn something from each other, uh, enjoy each other's company. Honestly, like I think I personally grown a lot as a person. And when people talk about, you know, is college really worth it? You know, for example, and I say, yeah, obviously, you know, it costs a lot of money and I work really hard to get all the scholarships I need so I can help pay for it. Um, you know, if you can, you know, if money is one of the factors that you can kind of work through, I would definitely say college is a thousand percent worth it because like it truly, truly changes lives because you're, you're able to just tap into this network of people, right, that you, you, you would probably never really get to meet, you know, in the first places because it's really hard to tap into those networks and also tap into alumni that can get you into jobs, into, you know, different positions or just be able to talk to smart people because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't personally think that, I mean, I, I like for me, I believe that I'm not like smart like a lot of other people. I'm pretty sure, I know for a fact that there's a lot of people that are smarter than me, but it's the smart. fact that, uh, <laughs> you're pretty know, smart man, man. you're smart right, in your own way I'm, I'm smart in my own ways right that's what i was gonna come back to right because right. i'm good at you know making those connections and just really being able to talk to people and just having a good time and i think that's what people like so 
I, yeah, I guess I want to ask you, Ritu, because, you know, you're a freshman. Do you really think college is worth it for you, even with the, the whole pandemic and everything <laughs> that comes with it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you look at, like, the economical perspective of things, um, you can call it a scam. You can say that it's, you know, the grassroots of capitalism and whatnot. But I think college is just like an intentional forced community that kind of pushes you to um, kind of like on a fast track, uh, achieve things you would normally achieve in the real world, which is more sparse. Um, so in a concentrated community where you have these connections, resources, uh, people all at your fingertips, it forces you to actively implement all of those networking skills, those um, people skills, the interactions, the um, exploring and making yourself uncomfortable, all of those things that you would normally face in a typical lifetime, but it kind of puts you in this bubble to like kind of force you into facing them. And I definitely think that it's something, uh, it's an experience that is worth um, having in your lifetime. I definitely think college is worth it. Um, mm. It's not just your education and research, it's life skills and people skills and so many things that you'll eventually need in the future. Not saying that if you don't go to college, you're just like, you know, you don't have anything, mm. but um, yeah. I think college just like, it advantages you in that way. Do you have mm -hmm. a do you have a way to deal with those uncomfortable situations? Obviously, being a freshman, going out, meeting new people all the time. Like I, I know that feeling. Um, like, do you have a way to just tackle that, or do you just accept it as a part of college? And you know, this is what you're gonna do to get yourself to grow. I mean, I feel like personally, I'm a very spontaneous person, and I like to push myself out of my comfort zone from time to time. Um, not from time to time, like on a daily basis. I do that on a daily basis, uh, pushing myself out of my comfort zone. I think it's different for everyone, but for me, um, it's, it just, I feel like uh, do it, a lot of the activities that I involve myself during high school, specifically uh, performance theater and things like that, where um, like I never got over a performance anxiety. I always still tremor before going on stage but it's just that like getting comfortable with feeling that discomfort is what you grow over time. Um, and yeah, I, I live in the moment. I'm like the happy go lucky kind of person who just wants to make the best of every day. So I push myself out of my comfort zone because I know that it's going to, I'm not going to regret it. Like mm -hmm. if like whoever's listening to this, I'm like going to tell you, like you only live once. Right. So, um, experience as much as you can experience you'll feel uncomfortable doing it but once it's done you'll say hey i did that and pat yourself on the back and move on and you'll mm -hmm. eventually get comfortable with feeling that nervousness and um anxiety and discomfort but you'll learn to coexist with it yeah it's great that you bring that up i mean the number of times that i've had to perform i, I play the saxophone in my high school right and then i've had like plenty of clubs and you know, events where I had to speak publicly, even to this day, if I had to speak in front of a public crowd, I would just shake, right? Um, even to start this podcast, when you first started recording, I was nervous. Like We were all nervous, day, man. With our like, first <laughs> episodes, first two episodes, I couldn't think straight, like I'd be stuttering all over the place. But over time, it's like, I just became more comfortable with it. But I think public speaking, I don't know, like once I'm able to connect with like an audience, you know, 
if like we connect through sports or like mm-hmm. a college experience or something like that I just keep going <laughs> like I'll have a casual conversation with the stranger as if I've known them for like a year or two yeah. just like by making that one connection but it's interesting that we have you know that similarity yeah for sure I think another like big thing that I pushed myself to do when I was on campus last semester for the two weeks that we got to stay um I like on purpose just like when I was standing in those lines uh to get food in the dining halls I would just turn around and say hi to the person behind me because they were also alone and you know um more often than not there were freshmen didn't know anybody and was looking to meet someone new and here like here's a person who's like willing to talk to them and you know break the ice um so it was kind of awkward and I was like oh my gosh should I like do that that's like so weird I'm gonna like they like don't know me and you know um there was all those doubts but I went through with it that's how um I made a lot of new friends so um Mm. it's cool just like doing things you probably wouldn't do normally yeah I remember my my good old days of just meeting people in clubs and I think what I used to do is like if I I remember like during the end of semester we would always have people that wanted swipes and -hmm. I would just let people in, you know, just be like, Hey, I'll let you in, get a swipe. And then we'll just start talking and then I'll just make a new friend, you know? And I used to be the kind of person like, I would have like my calendar would be like every new person. I I would have a new person every week on my calendar. And like, that's just like my way of just keeping up with people and making sure that I can make, you know, meet new people, but, and make good friendships. But I think at the same time, it kind of came with the cost of just like, it was really hard to maintain friendships at the same time. Like the friendship that you really wanted to maintain sometimes mm-hmm. it was just really hard because there was just a lot going on. And I think mm-hmm. with COVID now, um, I mean, it sucks, but there is a blessing in disguise that I'm able to just spend more time with the people that I really care about. And I think that that is something I really appreciate, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Anyway, uh, you know, this talk about networking and, you know, building your social network on campus kind of leads into our next question, which is, uh, Rita, do you, do you consider yourself to be an entrepreneur? Like, have you always known that you, like, you know, think differently than others? Um, because judging by the way you've been talking, uh, you know, from like before we start recording to now, it seems that you're very independent and motivated in ways that, you know, the average person might not be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much that you uh, think of me like that. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that um, I would never, I have never thought of myself, I've never thought to like label myself as an entrepreneur specifically because that's not a goal I had in mind when I created this foundation. You know, I want to be an entrepreneur. That's not something that I was thinking about. But I think yeah. this entrepreneurial spirit of creating something new, creating something from scratch kind of exists in everybody and in their own um, in their own forms. It doesn't exactly have to be an organization. It could be um, small tutoring businesses or just creating art um, and publishing that. Uh, these entrepreneurial spirits exist in everyone. And I think that for me, I definitely like throughout my life have been told that like my ideas are um, crazy and like almost way too ambitious and things like that. But um, I never thought of it like that. Like nothing can be way too ambitious if you thought of it, right? So um, I, 
I think just like with starting this organization, I just kept in mind why I wanted to do what I did um, and who I'm impacting and how that my, how my like mission is eventually like accomplishing the vision of my organization. And uh, I focus on like the task at hand and um, yeah, I honestly, a lot of the things that uh, we ended up doing with our organization is kind of things that I came up on a whim. Um, I was taking my dog out for a walk and I was like, oh, let's do this. And we did it. A lot of those ideas just come spontaneously and you have to just uh, believe in yourself saying that it's possible. I'm going to make it possible. This thing came up in my head. I'm going to think it out, write it out, and we're going to make this into a full-fledged um, working project. Um, so I think, yeah, um, I guess you could call it an entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I definitely think I capitalized on that. Um, I, I absolutely love thinking and creating and planning new things. So um, I put my best foot forward when it came to that. Yeah, it's very interesting that you bring that up because like, you know, over this past summer, right, and over the past year, I wasn't thinking of myself as an entrepreneur, I was just doing these crazy things. And Ankush, uh, I keep bringing these up in like with every episode, because like, there's just so many similarities between us and the guests, right? Because we're doing something that most people wouldn't be comfortable doing, right? We went out of our comfort zone to do what we're doing. So so for me, I did like, I worked with hydroponics, I did some gardening, I, I'm even now I'm very motivated to try and start a business, not for the business sake, but just because I want to like leave my print on my community or do something that's, you know, productive more than just what like the average person would do. Right. So just like you, I have crazy, crazy ideas all the time. Sometimes at like 3am in the morning, like this podcast that I just like <laughs> share with Uncush and different people and over time. Right. Like, uh, like my freshman year, I had these crazy ideas of like, oh, what if we started a house of highlights for cricket or something like that? And I'd run it through with my friends and then they'd be like, oh, this is why it wouldn't work. Not in a bad way, but in more of like a constructive way, right? And over time, I've learned like by receiving this feedback from my friends and from my peers, I've, you know, kind of learned like how to think about starting a new project and kind of the effort that goes into it. Um, you know, as an, as an introvert, quote unquote, before you know, maybe, maybe even before college, it was really hard for me to come out and say like, Hey, this is what I want to do. But now it's like, I've developed a level of like shamelessness, I guess. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not afraid to ask people questions, right? Like I'll ask Ankush the dumbest question and I'll be like, that's ah, fine. You know, it's like, what's he going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll think like this dude's crazy, but at the end of the day, I'm benefiting from it regardless. I mean, the funny exactly. thing is that, right? Like, we might think that we have these crazy ideas, but the thing is like, I think a lot of us do, but it's, it's up to us if we are the ones that are going to act upon it. I'm pretty sure at one point, you know, for example, the internet was a crazy idea. Computers were crazy. And mm -hmm. even I remember, I think I remember reading that when the first car came out by Nicholas Tesla, right? Like people were thinking that that's never going to work because horses were like, you know, the basically the building blocks of riding for like the longest time. Right. Yeah. So you know, no idea out there is really crazy, um, you know, and if this is something that you believe in and you really think that this is something that can change people's lives or empower people, a group of people in some way, I think by all means, it's, it's worth acting upon it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that kind of takes me back to the next question. Um, yeah, what was your passion, you know, starting the Neuroscience Foundation? And I guess just to add on to that, 
explain to the audience what is the Neuroscience Foundation as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm just going to like backtrack a little bit and talk about why I like got interested in neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was back in 10th grade um, in my AP psychology class uh, where we did this case study on Phineas Gage. I don't know if you if you've heard of that case study, but it's yeah. about, um, for our audience, this is uh, this case study is about how this man named Phineas Gage back in the 1800s was working on a railroad um, when there was an explosion and there was a metal rod that uh, went through his forehead and out his, like, out the top of his head, uh, just like slicing right through the frontal lobe of his brain. And it flew out um, and landed like 30 feet away. So imagine how hard that blow was. Um, given that, um, given that injury or like, I don't even know what to call it. Like that was a disaster. Um, back in the 1800s, doctors, the doctor who treated Phineas Gage literally stuck his hand inside the uh, open brain cavity and tried to fish out like shards um, forget sanitation, forget surgical procedure. He literally stuck his hand in the head and fished out all the uh, stuff and like wrapped a bandage around his head and God knows what else they did. Um, That man recovered, lived um, a relatively full life given the life expectancy back then. Um, And the only difference in his life was that he had a um, friendly temper before the accident and now he was just a little moody and irritable um that just blew my mind I was like what on earth uh and that just like threw me into this internet spiral of it doesn't make sense because I because like what based on what I've heard people can't even survive gunshot wounds right exactly yeah and this guy survived the rod in like given 1800s medicine um and so yeah that threw me into an internet spiral and I clicked link after link after link. And I was like, this is crazy. I learned about neuroplasticity and um, how like different parts of your brain will compromise and compensate for some actions and, you know, the functions of the frontal lobe and yada, yada, yada. So um, that's where I, like my fascination with neuroscience started. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually like, as um, right after I graduated from high school and I decided that I was going, going to pursue neuroscience in college, um, I felt the need to build a community for myself uh, of people who I really probably like to call neuropassionates. Um, and I thought I, when I joined Instagram, I found um, so many people who were interested in neuroscience. And I was like, why can't I bring them together? Um, and in doing that, I kind of figured out that a lot of students, like even in high school, they're afraid to pursue neuroscience because they think it's some kind of an elite subject. It's too hard. It's, you know, for the smart people only. And I was like, I'm not that smart. I'm pursuing neuroscience. And there are so many other people I know who aren't Einstein's, but they're doing perfectly fine. It's really your passion and your access to um, the education that matters. So I started the Neuroscience Foundation with that in mind to essentially debunk this Um, horrifying image of neuroscience uh, to the youth and kind of help them engage in content and opportunities and resources in neuroscience um, without feeling overwhelmed and intimidated 
So breaking it down uh, into smaller chunks, um, making it more accessible, free of cost. Um, and yeah, that's how the Neuroscience Foundation started. And now we're a global international organization with audience from all over the world. And it's truly just um, an incredible thing that we're here today. Yeah, and you know, um, my my sweetmate is he's a big fanatic of neuroscience as well. Like he loves learning and reading about the brain, um, and I I I love reading about it as well. But the reason I didn't choose as a career because is because I you know it kind of comes back to what we were talking about before the podcast, the uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that takes me kind of just to the next question. Do you still think that neuroscience is still a very early like early career? Because like based on like what I see you know, there's just a lot of research that's going on at the moment. So there's not, you know, in my experience, I guess, just like based on what I've seen, you know, I didn't see any job that I thought that this could be really fun because like all the fun jobs that were people were talking about, it seemed like they were all going to be taken up by AI or some sort of computer machine. Right. So. Right. Um, that's very interesting that you bring that up because, um, one of the things that we did as part of the Neuroscience Foundation is um, we did this like series on careers in neuroscience that are not uh, neuroscience research, neurosurgery, neurology. Um, and you'd be surprised with the number of careers you can pursue having a, coming from a neuroscience background. Um, my favorite one by far is neuroeconomics. So if you're interested in econ, marketing, Um, and neuroscience, you can blend all of those in to essentially study human behavior and like the way human minds make decisions Mm -hmm. to um, essentially like curate a company's marketing strategies to um, cater to those human behaviors. So people buy more, people interact more. Just like Um, how like the internet has basically wired your brain into doing certain things, right? I don't know if you, if you guys watched the social dilemma, Yes, I did. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. it kind of just kind of goes back to that whole documentary about like how these sort like basically how this the way social media is made. You know, it's literally changing the way we perceive and think about things all the time. And it's you know it is to the point that the the higher executives, for example, the high executive of Twitter, do not allow their kids to use Twitter at all, Mm -hmm. and they don't even have accounts themselves because they know what they have made is actually truly changing like the way the you know brain works at all and it's interesting because you know you would not think that because a brain is like a physical thing you know it's wired a certain way and you know we are all human so you would assume that everyone has a similar wiring so it doesn't make sense how you could just wire it in a different way with just like something that's artificial you know yeah yeah wait wait, wait, i had a question um you're talking about neuroscience for me like the longest time I thought neuroscience was something completely different so it's interesting that you bring this up right um some of the things that you've been mentioning like how you know human behavior like in, in like how neuroscience is used to measure human behavior wouldn't that be considered you know psychology like behavioral psychology like what's the difference between neuroscience and psychology mm-hmm. that's a very interesting question and uh, I think um there's a lot of people don't acknowledge that there's actually a very blurry line between the two fields. Um, they overlap quite a lot, but neuroscience is very specific to the study of the brain and the nervous system. 
uh, compared to psychology, which is more behavioral aspects of things. But um, whenever like the um, career that I mentioned, neuroeconomics, um, the study there is um, very clinical and very um, based on um, the brain and nervous system and how it reacts, literally EEG scans and uh, PET scans and those things. Uh, so you essentially study like the biological um, mechanisms that lead to decision-making and influence that at, at that biological level. So um, it's very interesting. Um, another thing actually, toy designing is a career for people who are interested in like art, who have like an artistic side and are also interested in neuroscience. Because uh, you can study brain development and create toys for kids curated to... Um, you know, best help with the brain growth and development and learning and stuff like that. So there's so many careers out there and it does not have to be surgery research or teaching. You know, it's interesting how Aniket asked that question. Like I'm really into psychology in general. Um, so, um, but I was like reading into it, right? Um, and there's this, you know, interesting question about, do you ever think that neuroscience can entirely replace psychology? Because right now the issue is that we don't have the whole mind map fully mapped yet, right? Because mm -hmm. we don't know exactly how our brain works and exactly right. how it functions. But then there's this other argument that, you know, for example, you know, a hardware specialist cannot replace a software specialist. And in this example, a hardware specialist would be, you know, a neuroscientist and then a software specialist would be a psychologist. Um, I mean, how would you answer that question? Do you think there's one, I mean, neuroscience versus psychology. Do you think there's one sector that's better than the other? Do you think neuroscience can completely replace psychology one day in the future? Wait, can I, can I jump in here too? Because I want to answer this question. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> go for it. Uh, okay, so Ankush, um, as you know, there's that debate of uh, nature versus nurture, right? Like, yes, right. there's a lot of things that you can associate with biology, like how your brain is structured and how it's, you know, developed. But there's also a lot of other like external factors that play a role in like how a person develops. So I don't think um, neuroscience will ever, ever like completely dominate behavior psychology and vice versa. I mm -hmm. think it'll be more of like a coexistence. Um, this is all based on stuff that I learned in high school and a little bit in college. But I'm, hope I'm, I'm hoping I'm on the right track. Right, right, Ritu? Yeah, that's uh, pretty much what I was going to say. I think that uh, in the future... I wouldn't say that any field will replace the other. I would say that there's potential that they can merge um, given that uh, we have significant uh, breakthroughs in neuroscience where we can find links, very like significant connecting links from neuroscience and psychology. And they could become one field eventually. But I think that um, there's always gonna be that difference because psychology deals with more outward social interaction behavior type things while also focusing on a lot of internal aspects. Um, but neuroscience is like the grassroots of all of this, you know, the very molecular cellular level functioning of the brain. And um, it's, it, they're, um, they're very different, but they're also very similar. And um, I don't think that one is gonna replace the other ever. Um, if there, if anything, they'll probably merge. Yeah. The reason I'm so excited about talking about this, right. I didn't know that we were going to take this direction. Like I, neuroscience, Dude, was I was so ready for different this. in my mind, but like as when you as, brought up like psychology as... and like, uh, neuroeconomics, I was like, oh my gosh, she's got me in like the zone. So, <laughs> um, like I'll give you examples. Right. So in high school, I was a really big fan of psychology 
and like the way that people behaved. I wrote like papers, like I'm, I was an IB, right? So I had to write papers on, you know, the human behavior. Um, I wrote like a 21 page essay on, you know, the dilemma of like African-Americans in the US and how they've developed the sense of like learned helplessness. I'm sure you've heard about Martin Seligman's study on, you know, dogs uh, in cages. But, yep. but anyway, uh, so I just wrote that paper. And even to this day, like I just keep referring back to like how we have these schemas and like our, our mentality towards different people is, is like different based on our experiences. And that's kind of affected me in, in a way that maybe is good, maybe is bad, but like psychology has just trained me. Right. So even with this podcast, whenever we put out content, like say our 30 minute uh, reels clips, Uncush will like make a clip and then I'll listen to it with my eyes closed and go, I've already, you've already lost my attention. Like it's been five seconds and I, I can't bear to listen to the remaining 25 <laughs> seconds. And so like just using like these small like skills, I guess, or these small things that I've learned through my classes, like in psychology, um, have really helped. Um, so yeah, I just want to put that out there. No, yeah. I, um, I think that's like an experience that most people experience when it comes to like learning psychology, especially in high school. Um, psychology and neuroscience, I, I think more psychology than neuroscience is uh, a very relatable field, very... Um, I guess, vivid um, field when it comes to seeing all of those ideas in action in real life. Things start to get put in perspective when you learn about how your mind works. And you're like, oh yeah, see, this is what's going on. And um, it clicks, life clicks and how you behave clicks. Um, it's very interesting that you did mention that. Okay, uh, to move on. Um, so as we've mentioned already in the podcast, uh, this is your first year at UNC. Um, did you ever find yourself struggling to keep up with classes and your extracurriculars like while you were balancing, you know, this, this new venture that you were on as the CEO and founder of the Neuroscience uh, Foundation? And if so, like, how did you overcome that? Or are you still learning to overcome that? Yeah, I think Right as um, right as um, you know, college re college open, and um, as I was transitioning from a high school style to a university style education system, um, it was definitely hard because I came up with this during the summer when essentially I had nothing to do, and uh, suddenly I had everything to do, and so um, it definitely was hard. There were things that kept like. I kept putting it like in the backlog and I was like, I'll do this later. I need, you know, things got messy. Things got out of hand. Um, but I think the most important thing for me was to prioritize and to schedule way in advance. Um, I was more of like a spontaneous, you know, like whenever I get time, I'll do it kind of person. Um, and I learned the importance of planning way ahead of time. And I think it like helps, especially when you're working with other people from, all over the world from different time zones. Um, but I don't think that's there's ever like a solution to, um, you know, handling a lot of things at the same time. You'll always uh, have a messy schedule. You'll always um, have things that you just like won't have time to do. And you'll have to just prioritize and do things that um, really matter first. And I think for me, uh, what really got me through all of this was that there wasn't a single thing that I did that I didn't enjoy doing. 
Um, so I think just like the love for doing what I do kept me um, focused and kept me on schedule per se. Um, I think that a lot of the times all that confusion with handling a lot of things comes when you're like, I don't really want to do this. You know, I don't really enjoy spending time and doing this. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be able to do it to your best ability. And that's going to leave you unsatisfied. Um, and that dissatisfaction will just build up eventually and you'll implode. Um, so, you know, I, whatever I do, even though I'm like mostly busy almost all the time, I like to stay busy and I like to stay busy with things that I enjoy doing. So it's mm -hmm. not that much of a problem for me. Yeah. For how sure. do you find, sorry to interrupt. Um, how do you, yeah. How do you, since, you know, as a freshman, I think one of the things that, um, you know, I guess I struggle with coming to college and I still do, is just like finding that passion and motivation to do something that I'm really interested in. Like you talked about, you know, the fact of just taking that leap of faith, you know, because you're so scared to do something that is like, out of your out of your touch in general like you know you, you're starting this foundation and you're doing all these great things in college um where does that fat passion for you kind of stem from and like how do you um i mean is there some like some sort of neuroscience fun fact or psychology that's like involved um that you know you kind of use to get yourself into a certain mindset i don't know if that's a weird question maybe i don't know yeah. And, um, and can I, can I add to that real quick? Um, yeah. Also, how did you get people to buy into your idea? Right. So it's like one thing to have an idea, but to get people on, at UNC or internationally to commit and believe in you and your project, like, how did you get that? Okay. Um, that's an interesting question. I'm going to like answer them like one at a time. Um, yeah. Kush, can you remind me of like what your question was? Yeah. Yeah. So um well, my second question was pretty stupid, but I think my first question was about um, how do you, you know, where does that passion, like, how do you get yourself to be motivated and just be passionate and, you know, talk to me about, you know, where does that passion really stem from when it comes to, you know, not only running a neuroscience foundation, but doing all these great things in college. Okay. Yeah. And I think your second part was like, if there's any like neuroscience or psychology yeah. concept. That yeah. The, if that. there's like any fun facts that that will blow our minds, I mean, no pun intended, but <laughs> yeah um I mean honestly I don't think I'm like that educated enough to like really dig into like the um like scientific aspect of why you know the passion exists but um I think like the thing that I can think of is like intrinsic versus ex versus extrinsic motivation um I definitely don't do this for anybody else but myself um I don't do this to please anyone else. I do it to um, really enjoy neuroscience um, just in my own mind, in my own body. Um, so I think just like being in love with, um, you know, like the ideas and the perspectives that neuroscience brings to my day-to-day -day life is uh, something that just like keeps me pursuing uh, everything that I do with the Neuroscience Foundation and my major and things like that. Um, but I would say that like passion is, um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to explain how to put this, but like, I, I think just like for me, I'm, I'm a thinker. I, uh, when I'm not talking to somebody, I'm questioning the world. I'm questioning, um, you know, universal phenomenon, uh, phenomena. And um, I like wonder about things a lot. And 
I guess just like that perspective just like makes me enjoy living life and enjoy existing in this universe um and just like having that perspective on life being very happy that I'm alive and I get to experience all of these beautiful people this beautiful world um and seeing these scientific um aspects in my day-to-day life just fascinates me and it makes me happy and um I don't know a better way to explain this, but it's just those like thoughts in my head, these concepts that I play out question. Um, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy uh, living life. And I think that kind of translates into a lot of the things that I am involved with, just like gaining perspectives from people, um, involving myself in different activities where I can meet other people and expose myself to newer scenarios and Uh, yeah I guess just like the passion and excitement for life stems there Mm -hmm. I actually really agree with a lot of the things that you said like I I do that all the time right maybe not in the neuroscience sense but like when it comes to business I'm always thinking right um crazy ideas I do my research like I think over the summer I maybe looked at like stocks investing like real estate um uh what was it drop shipping? I even pitched it to Unkush once and then it was a failed pitch, but like constantly running these <laughs> scenarios through my head. And I'm like, I'm not doing this just to make money. I'm doing this. Cause I actually want to like do this. Cause it's like, I think it's fun. Like I had enjoyed doing this. It's almost like a video game, right? Like for yeah. me, um, honestly, it's actually shocking how similar I feel like we are in terms of like the way we think it's, uh, yeah. it's great. Um, but yeah. Uh, did you finish answering that question? Uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> Yes, um, I believe I did. <laughs> okay, uh, so back to my question. Yes. Um, so how did, how did you get people to buy into your idea? Um, you know, as a freshman, as someone who had this, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say revolutionary, but just like such a unique idea. And then not only to get people to buy in at Chapel Hill, but also to get people to buy in across the world. Um, I think I got a little lucky with that. Um, I didn't really have to sell my idea as much because I think the things that I thought of, the ideas that I came up with were in demand. Um, People wanted to see things like that. And they were very willing to jump on board um, given the lack of opportunities in the field of neuroscience. Um, And the fact that I'm a student and I'm not this like crazy you know, old professor who's like super stern. And I was like, if you don't do well on your exams, you're like a loser. I'm not that kind of a person. I'm more approachable. I'm a student. I'm also learning. I think making myself relatable to um, a lot of the people that I work with today uh, was one of the most important things. And also that people wanted to uh, receive the work that we did. So um, that definitely helped it gain a lot of popularity. Um, I would say that growing from a one-person organization to almost a 40-person organization, 40-people organization today is, um, I think, I can't, I can't take the credit at all for it because um, everybody who's on my team, they wanted to be here. They wanted to make an impact. They believed in um, the mission and vision that I had in place. And um, you'd be surprised how many people agree with you. Um, you'd be surprised how many people really just like wanted to do what you did, but they were maybe too scared to, like I said, break the ice to get it done. Um, and now that you started it, um, 
you know, it makes it easier for them to get on board and be a part of something they believe in too. Um, and I would say that that's, that's it. And just um, the general like marketing aspects of things like, Hey, will you give us a shout out in exchange for a shout out um, and stuff like that. But I definitely think um, compared to a lot of other entrepreneurs, I'd say I was very lucky that my audience wanted uh, to see the work that we did. So that definitely helped to gain popularity. You know, our last guest, um, shout out to Nikita. Um, I think one of the big points that she brought up, and actually we, we posted a clip about it too, was that, you know, the first people that come to your organization, we want to make sure that they're happy, you know, because if they're happy, they're the one that are going to spread the word about it. And that word of mouth is the, you know, it's, it's the strongest point by which, you know, your organization can really spread and grow. Um, and it kind of goes back to, you know, it, it, all, it all stems from, you know, from you, because it, you know, we can see that you have the, you have a passion to, you know, do, just be curious. And that curiosity really leads you to just, you know, <laughs> kind of just lead you to, you know, make these neuroscience foundations. And even though it seems so uncertain, you know, here you are right now. And, um, you know, with 40 people that really believe in, you know, what you want to do. And it's nice to see a freshman that, you know, really wants to take you know, that, that ambition to be a leader, because uh, a lot of times, especially like for me as a freshman, like I felt so lost and confused. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know that. I, I mean, I was a, you know, pre-dental at the time. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this in the first place. Right. So it's nice yeah. to see, it's nice to see that someone, you know, <laughs> like, I wish I was kind of like you. Cause like, if my mom sees you, she would just be like, yeah, that's like how I would imagine you being, but like, <laughs> oh you know, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's nice to see that, you know, you, you, you figured out your passion early on and, you know, you're trying to, you know, work in your ways to make sure that you're not always just comfortable. You're trying to be uncomfortable at all times. Um, even just like, you know, sending us a DM over, or, you know, over on Instagram and, you know, that's not something that a lot of people do. So it's pretty, pretty admirable to be honest. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, I feel like throughout my life, I've always like avoided the idea of being, weird and not like mm -hmm. everybody else um yeah. which kind of explains uh the thing that we were talking about in the beginning uh, when I first moved here um like my accent my Indian accent was like it, it stood out and I was super nervous being in like um a place full of like people I only saw in movies <laughs> and uh now they're like walking and breathing around me and I I felt completely out of place so I think like the first thing I did was try to blend in and give up my Indian accent and pick up an American accent. And um, like you said, you can't, you probably can't tell that I wasn't born here yeah. and I didn't live here all my life, but um, yeah, like back then I used to think that it was cool to not stand out and just like be like blend everybody in. else, but yeah, right. blend in. But eventually you just grow sick of being the same. Right. And, and then, and yeah. then you find out yeah. that yeah. there's nothing that's like super interesting about you because you're just right. like everyone else. Right. And then right. you're just like, I'm not really standing out. And so you just embrace, embrace be, you being you. And what happens is when you embrace you being you, you st start finding out people that also like you for being you. And then exactly. you actually start having genuine people and friends that come in your life. So, yeah. I couldn't yeah. have said that better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you, you surround yourself with people who support exactly. you being you. Exactly. Yeah. And to add to that, like, you know, although I've lived here for what, 17 years now, um, you know, when I was first, like, you know, going through elementary school, middle school and high school, there was maybe what, three Indians in my class, four Indians. And there was <laughs> one of two routes that 
each Indian had to choose, right? It was one, do I commit to being more like, you know, like Americans and being like my American friends, or do I just be who I am and be like, uh, like, you know, just an Indian and have friends who like are accommodating for my background and just like, you know, are, are always out looking out for me. For me, I kind of struggled with that. I was kind of in the middle, like, I didn't show off as much as I did about my like Indian culture. Um, and then there was always like guys who would like, you know, I don't want, I don't want to like put words like negative words out there, but they, um, how, how do I, how do I say this? They would give, they would portray Indians in a bad light, right? Like as Indians, mm-hmm. they would talk badly about Indians to be more welcomed, like to mm-hmm. be welcomed into like their friend circles more. Um, yeah. And for me, that was just not, I just couldn't, I wasn't capable of, capable of that because at heart, like I've lived in India, uh, I'm pretty tied to my roots in India. Um, and then you come to college and you find out that there's thousands of Indians who are just like you, who have like an appreciation for like Indian culture uh, and like American culture. And then uh, sometimes you joke around about white people and sometimes you joke around about <laughs> Indian people and it's like, it's fun and it's like accommodating. And you know, honestly coming to college made me like really break out of that shell and just be more, open I guess yeah I that exactly I feel like a lot of people who like move from different countries here or come from different ethnic backgrounds that are not popular in uh, western culture definitely go through that experience where you really don't know if um, you have this debate like is it cool to be not like everybody else and um, you find out that it is it is very cool because uh, nobody likes to eat the same food every day. Um, exactly. So why would they want to interact with the same kind sometimes of people? Sometimes I day? like less spice. Sometimes I like more spice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was weird. No, yeah. no, I, I totally get it. It's a good metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, before before we move on, right, I, I just want to make okay. sure. So, Ritu, um, do, you, do you know which sector of like, I know there's like sectors in your science, like, you know, basically, you know, there's like, cognitive neuroscientists and like there's like consciousness neuroscientists and there's like a lot of other stuff do you know which one do you want to focus on i'm keeping my mind open i think that um i'm i just love that um i just love neuroscience so much it's hard for me to choose um but if anything narrows it down i'm pre-med so um (laughs) i i I mean the most common one is cognitive right and you've touched a lot on psychology at the same time so i i I automatically assumed that was going to be cognitive to be honest ankush why you gotta be such an indian aunt about this let her (laughs) let her let her find out what she likes oh my god no i was just curious i was curious because i was like maybe i can like ask more like specific questions like fun facts about that you know yeah i'm actually i think if I had to, like, like absolutely had to gun to the head, had to pick. Um, hey, hey, don't be pressured, okay? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, if I had to pick one, like, specific field, I would probably go with cellular um, mm-hmm. or systems neuroscience because um, I don't know. I don't have, like, a specific reason why. It's just um, I think it's a little – um, less complicated compared to molecular neuroscience, um, but it also is like very grassroots level, uh, small things, small systems. Um, you know, you focus on tiny parts of the nervous system at a time. And then systems neuroscience, which is more like how did all of these parts function together? How do they interact? And all of like the um, 
you, you literally learn to look at these different pieces of the brain and the nervous system as colleagues and um, they work together to run this big company it's it's pretty cool it's really cool yeah To, to move on, um, you know, we're approaching the hour mark. Uh, so we got a few more questions left. Uh, what would you say is like the most rewarding experience or memory that you've had since you started the Neuroscience Foundation? Oh, that's hard. Um, I think it would be like the um, launch of our three premier projects um, of the Neuroscience Foundation, which is the Vegas Project, the Connectome Project, and the Neurogenesis Project. Um, we launched that back in November, if I haven't completely forgotten the timeline. But um, yeah, I'm going to give like a really like super like peanut size uh, overview of what these um, projects are. But the Vegas project is basically our um, education, educational um, endeavor of the organization. So that's where we create all of our summary sheets, printables, where we do programs and webinars and conferences and things like that. Um, we have our Connectome project, which is our networking and mentorship um, endeavor, where um, we basically work to partner with um, professionals in neuroscience and organizations in neuroscience to um, help our audience have like this point of contact and uh, people they can reach out to for opportunities. And also our partners will be involved with us with like other programs that we have in the foundation. And our neurogenesis project is our humanitarian um, effort. And so we work to, um, we work to like create chapters in uh, schools and universities all across the world. And we partner with free clinics um, to essentially advocate for equitable, affordable healthcare um, and also encourage neuro neurological care in these free clinics and we fundraise for them help do programs and draw attention to those things but yeah those are the three like biggest things and i'm super super excited to like see them all come to life yeah i mean i guess just to kind of add on to that um what way or method do you think is like the best way to discover more about more about the brain whether that could be books um maybe labs um i mean what comes to mind I mean, obviously her organization. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. other than, other than oh, her yeah. organization, obviously. <laughs> no, obviously. If you want anything to learn about the brain, you have to come to the Neuroscience Foundation, nowhere else. Um, I'm yeah. kidding. Uh, but I think it's, it, it's never one thing. It's just like a combination of multiple things. I think you always have to go from like learning the basics to seeing it in real life and implementing it. I think those like three segments of the process um, are really important uh, and, and honestly like I think that you have to go in that order first learn the basics then see it in action and then you do it yourself to learn anything about the brain um, or learn it to your, the best of your ability um, because like if you don't know your basics then it's hard to understand neuroscience can't get complicated and um, you really need to understand like the fundamentals but I wouldn't say there's like a specific activity or anything that um would like help the most you just have to like follow the process and um go one at a time but do it all i would say do it all mm -hmm. yeah uh to, to kind of close this episode up um 
as as we all know, um, this is Women's History Month, and um, you know, as a young aspiring, you know, neuroscientist slash entrepreneur slash whatever else you decide to add on between you know now and the next four years of your undergrad and <laughs> beyond, um, what would you say um, to like say a young girl who's looking at neuroscience or doing something pre med? Like, what would you advise to them? Like, you're still a freshman, but I feel like you're knowledgeable enough now to kind of give advice. And also to add to that, like, what is your organization doing to uplift women in neuroscience and just people in general? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say that I just want to, like, quickly plug uh, women as, like, some of the most incredible creations on this planet. Um I love all the women out there um, and also the men, of course, but we're celebrating women <laughs> this month, so I'm going to be selfish. Uh, but um, I think like uplifting women in neuroscience is one of like the biggest focuses um, of our organization. There's a, a very like prominent scarcity of women in neuroscience, whether it be any, let it, you, you can look at any neuroscience profession and there's literally no women um, forget about like diversity of, um, you know, races and ethnicities. There's no women like at all, almost. And it's disheartening to see that because we're at this time in, um, when this time period where like, it should be given that women and men are equal and they're allowed to pursue whatever they want, whenever they want it. Um, and to see the lack of women in this incredible field is, um, quite disappointing. So one of our biggest things that uh, we focus on is uplifting women in neuroscience. And um, I'm proud to say that 83% of our audience um, is women, comprised of women from um, all ages, mostly 18 to 24 years. But um, we're so happy to be um, reaching out to so many women and girls everywhere around the world. Um, I mean, if you look at the statistics of all the women that are in neuroscience, only I think it's like 0.12% are people of color or women of color. So um, we, we're definitely working to, um, like our team, whenever we recruit people, we recruit people to um, work, uh, women to work with us alongside um, all of all people from different walks of life. But we encourage women to interact with our content. Um, we celebrate women in neuroscience uh, with um, our content that we create. And um, we encourage people to get involved with us. And a majority of our team comprises of women. So I think we're, we're on a great start to um, encouraging women to get more involved in neuroscience. Mm -hmm. and, and my second question, uh... Uh, what, what advice would you give to like a rising college student, someone who is interested in neuroscience, but doesn't know if it's something that really interests them? What would your advice be? I think, you know, if you think that you're interested in neuroscience, pursue it. Um, your college experience is going to be volatile and you always have the freedom to change. But I think you will fall in love with neuroscience. And I'm not saying this because I'm partial, but um, I'm saying this as someone who did doubt uh, herself um, pursuing neuroscience in college. It did seem intimidating to me, but I did it anyway. And I did it because I knew at some point I loved it. And I wanted to put myself in more experiences that will prove to me that I really did love it. And it wasn't just like, you know, a fling per se. So um, I would say that if you're doubtful, 
um, put yourself in different situations and put yourself in different opportunities where you can interact with neuroscience. Get involved with the Neuroscience Foundation to see if this is something you like. Um, you'll for sure be exposed to different kinds of situations like um, from content to people in neuroscience to um, various other opportunities, but just don't hesitate to put yourself forward. Um, put yourself in the situation uh, see, experience it for yourself. Don't step back just because it seems intimidating at all, because you can do it. Yeah, thank you for ending that on a high note, because, you know, um, I mean, I think we kind of just talked about pretty much everything. You know, we talked about, you know, your transition of becoming a freshman and how you dealt with everything. And then talking about your foundation and, you know, how you found the courage to even start in the first place. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming on our platform. Um, you know, please feel to plug yourself in. Uh, we'll be putting the, the links of neuroscience foundation um, on our bios and you guys can definitely go check it out. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it literally right now and the graphics are absolutely wonderful, honestly. So thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to quickly like plug something. Uh, we are fundraising for the Neuroscience Foundation, and it's to help us um, raise money for using different platforms and um, software to create content that's better and more accessible in different parts of the world. So um, please donate, and the donation link is in our link tree on our Instagram page at Neuroscience Foundation. Yeah, and it'll be on our link tree too uh, when this podcast goes up. Awesome. Uh, so to go ahead and uh, wrap things up again, you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, just about any platform out there. Uh, we'll be leaving links in the description, of course, to Ritu's found uh, organization um, and then her social medias and stuff. If you want to like reach out, um, yeah, we'll catch you with the next episode. say it don't you say it stay we're dreaming no 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 we're done now we're done now <laughs> i always just like to end it with stay dreaming because that's and just I like i just cut want, it out he always cuts it out because he's just like i don't like it <laughs> so it's just like kind of a just one of those like things we just always do it's just so funny yeah no yeah. you should you should keep it <laughs>